Blog Talk Radio. Corruption. Racism. Xenophobia. White supremacy. Healthcare protections hanging by a thread. Law enforcement encouraged to commit acts of brutality. Peaceful people being separated from their families. And at the helm, a man beholden to Russia who is so unhinged that his actions could actually lead us to nuclear war. Join Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, That's Right, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. Together we must stand against the destruction of this country and the ideals we hold dear. Before it's too late. coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's area code 914-803-4131. That is area code 914-803-4131. And if you're listening live, you can always go to the show chat, blogtalkradio.com slash liberaldan, and click on the episode and listen and and inter, uh, interact with me via text. If you don't feel like calling in, you could also call in. <clears throat> I think they still allow you to call in via Skype. I haven't tried that feature in a while. Uh, if you're listening after the live broadcast, you can always uh, make your comments, questions, concerns, etc. on the uh, show through liberaldan.com, facebook.com slash liberaldan, and at liberaldanradio on Twitter. As always, um, you know, I'm cur- still currently doing my uh, Kickstarter, the 100. Uh, the Make 100 uh, thing that they had. Uh, Kickstarter hasn't been getting much attention, unfortunately. So at at this point, it does not look like it will finalize. It does not look like there will be uh, enough contributors to the Kickstarter to fully fund. So nobody will get any ads through that method. However, um, that doesn't work. Maybe I'll switch back to the GoFundMe route um, or try something else. Uh, however, if you do feel like supporting the podcast, you don't have to buy a commercial. You don't have to have anything to advertise. You can simply uh, just contribute a dollar, five dollars, ten dollars, whatever you like. If you like the show, you want to see me uh, continue to do uh, fun skit sketches and skits and bits. And if you think that I bring uh, good quality uh, entertainment to the internet. Um, both here and on my new uh, podcast over on Anchor, the Minicast. Uh, just go ahead and, and, and contribute, and it would mean the world for, to me to, to get that support. I understand we have a, a congressional election, a presidential election. Maybe you want to support uh, candidates uh, instead of the podcast, and that's fine. Um, I wholly encourage you to also do that. Uh, there are there are various many things that you could. Uh, talk about or, or contribute money to 
know, people you can promote, whoever obviously your presidential candidate is, um, you can support that person. I probably will just make a contribution at the point. You know, I haven't yet picked who I'm going to want to win the primary. I do want to see how the, I mean, Louisiana is such a late primary state anyway that I could pick three people and all of them could drop out by the time it gets to us. So there's that. Um, and then, you know, again, there's not many people who are running for the Democratic nomination who I would be disappointed with as president, especially compared to the person who's currently sitting in the Oval Office. And so I, I'm, I feel like perhaps my money is more better spent contributing to whoever gets the nomination as opposed to contributing to somebody who I might like to see get the nomination, but ultimately potentially perhaps fails. Uh, but there's also other races. Uh, Hickenlooper is running for the Senate in Colorado. Uh, he was, he did, I'm sure he didn't listen to me, but he did what I was saying that he should have done, which is go after Gardner because Gardner's vulnerable. Uh, Colorado's trending left and Hickenlooper was a very popular uh, governor for that state. He wasn't going to win the election. And I did have a problem with his ranting on socialism, you know, give it a break. You know, it's, it's nobody is going to be running. I mean, real socialism is to the left of Bernie. Um, so, and, and I, as I talked about on the mini cast, Bernie Sanders is not going to be the one who gives us Medicare for all. That's Congress. So you need to make sure you have a few, whoever winds up being president, I make this point on the minicast, whoever winds up being president, if you have a Congress that gives that person a Medicare for all bill across their desk, they're going to have to sign it. As long as that person's Democrat, because you will have said, look, this is what we want. So elect the Congress you want to elect along with any of the Democratic presidents, and you get what you want. If you, if you spend all of your time and effort trying to get the president elected, but you don't win back the Senate, you're, you're screwed because you're not going to get what you want. So you need people like Hickenlooper to win. You need people, uh, you need to win the, yeah, at least three, if not four races you want, you want to win. And they're, they're not always going to vote with you, but they're going to vote to make sure that you have a Senate leadership that is going to be controlled by Democrats. That's the most important thing because then they control, you know, things like who, what, what the rules are going to be that you vote on in impeachment processes. I still haven't had anybody give me a reasonable explanation as to why um, the Senate gets any votes at all, except for, or convict or not convict on the articles of impeachment. They're basically a jury. The person who's in charge of the hearings is the Supreme Court Chief Justice Roberts. But anyway, no one's been able to give me that reason, a satisfactory answer yet on that. But you push, you, you get the Senate blue by electing. You know, Georgia was close when it came to electing a governor. I really wish that she would run for president, but, you know, <clears throat> it is what it is, and I supported her. I, I contributed to her 
uh, campaigned for fair elections already, and I urge you to do so as well. And you know, we have other elections with Republicans who are vulnerable. I don't know why Collins, Susan Collins, is even there anymore. I mean, all of that Northeast should be solid blue now. Get it done. Collins has proven herself to be worthless and not helpful. I mean, maybe once or twice she voted the right way. But I mean, if you're going to vote for a Democratic president, why the hell are you not voting to give that person a senator who's going to support them as well? It doesn't make any sense. If, you, if those are the policies that you want to understand, I'm not, I'll be the last person to tell you to vote party over country. But holy crap. I mean, how are you going to vote for a Democratic president and a Republican senator? It just doesn't make any sense. So then you have other elections. I've had some congressional candidates on the show last year. I hope to have them back at some point in the near future to give an update and perhaps even more candidates on the air uh, to discuss other things, you know, to discuss how their campaigns are going, how they're doing, how they're faring in their elections. Because not only do we have the opportunity to turn the Senate blue, not only do we have the opportunity to elect a Democratic president, we have the opportunity to push the House left. I think that's that unless somebody else comes up with a better hashtag, I think I'm going with push the House left is, is going to be my, instead of take the House back. Um, or, or vote, vote, you know, push the House left. Vote blue no matter who for president. Turn the Senate blue. Push the House left. And how you push the House left? Well, you support centrist Democrats in defeatable Republican districts. And then you push, you, pr- you promote more left-leaning Democrats in solid blue districts. All I have to do to make the house move totally to the left, to shift it left, you, you, you don't have to target, you don't have to have extreme left-wing people in every seat to move the house left. You put, Demo, you put centrist Democrats in conservative-ish, purplish districts, you've pushed the house to the left. You then run uh, more progressive candidates against entrenched corporate Democrats and do what Alexandria Ocasio-Cortez did, you push the House to the left. You can, you, can, you can creep it. And if you get enough people into the House who, who see where things are going, you, know, you might be able to convince some of those centrists to get on board with the more progressive policies, especially about Medicare for All. Because you know, I supported the Affordable Care Act. I supported all of that. You know, if we do wind up with President Biden and a, and a, and a House and Senate that can't um, push through Medicare for all because you didn't do your jobs as voters to give him a, a, a liberal Senate and a liberal House that's going to support Medicare for all. Uh, I mean, if we have to settle for an idea to have uh, the um, whatchamacallit, the uh, public option, we can buy into Medicare, fine, you know, rather the other way, but if we can buy into Medicare, fine. So, 
So, but you can push the House to the left. You, you know, push the House more to the left than it is. You can, you can elect a Democratic Senate, and you can, at that point, if they push whatever policies they manage to push, it gets passed. And you don't have to worry about the 60 votes in the Senate. The filibuster is dead. That's, that's been gone. You can use a nuclear option to kill the rest of it as it stands because as right now it, 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 it's, it's withering on its last limb and, and it doesn't seem to be a way to return it. So anyway, that's, there's all that. Plus, you know, you know we also had a, uh, a death for Jones passed away from Monty Python, one of my favorite comedic groups. Uh, Terry Jones gave us lots of great bits. And, you know, if, if you're familiar with the dead parrot skit, I was saying all day, every time, every, every, everybody, sometimes, somebody, every time somebody shared that he was dead, that he had passed on, I, uh, I said instead that he was he was pining he was pining for the fields. Uh, so, but in reality, I mean, and that was between uh, Mr. John Cleese and Michael Palin who were doing the back and forth on that, obviously. But still, you know, in wanted, not wanting to believe that he was, you know, that he's dead, just say he's pining. But in reality, it's us who'll be pining for the humor that he once brought and now shall never more. So go watch some Monty Python this weekend. Um, get a good laugh because that's probably what he would want you to do. Let's go ahead and take our first commercial break. Come back, take your calls. 914-803-4131. 914-803-4131. We'll do hypocrite of the week after the break. And then go into the topic of the show. It's Liberal Dan radio. Talk from the left, that's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out BudgetEars.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But BudgetEars is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. In a world gone mad, one progressive will do a bad movie trailer guy impression to get you to listen to his show. There's only one thing that I like better than the Liberal Dan Radio minicast, all right, Bill, that's enough of that. On the Liberal Dan Radio minicast, you will hear an honest discussion of the day's issues with some personal bits in between. You might even hear what the other side has to say, sometimes even in their own voices. So become one of the Liberal Dan family, because family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. To hear those bad impressions and more, tune into the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. 
talk from the left, that's right. And I think to myself, what a wonderful show. Mm, Are you someone who is looking to get into the ride-sharing business, be it for a side hustle or a full-time gig? Are you currently a ride-share driver wondering how to increase your earnings? Are you simply a new rider looking for first-time rider credits? Head on over to RideshareDan.com for those first-time rider credits, sign-up bonuses for new drivers, and my tips and tricks to help you make more money in the gig economy. Greetings. This is Nimbus Josh, host of the Percy Podcast. What is the Percy Podcast? <laughs> well, it's pretty much the smoothest talking host you'll ever hear in your life talking about all kinds of things, political things, nerdy things, fun things, not-so-fun things. Go ahead, give a listen, and follow at the Percy Podcast for more updates and information. Why not sit back and take a listen to one of the best podcasts you'll ever hear, and no one else will. (laughs) Catch you on the tune. back to Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's area code 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. Uh, one of the interesting things, again, before we get to the main topic of the show, uh, that I also discussed it on the, discussed on the minicast a little bit, is um, Alan Dershowitz, who is making the argument during the impeachment trial Uh, or will make the argument during the impeachment trial that you uh, it's not it's not an impeachable offense to uh, to abuse your power now whatever Donald Trump did and I firmly believe it is the policy and position of liberal day and ready that Donald Trump absolutely did abuse his power, as, as can be seen by what he calls the transcripts that he keeps demanding that we read, and he keeps yelling it on Twitter over and over and over again, clearly he abuses power. But regardless of whether or not he abuses power, if you're hiring somebody to make the legal argument that abuse of power is not impeachable, you should not be able to be removed from office for abusing your power, that's going to play wonderfully for the Democratic candidate, whoever it is. Imagine Joe's ads. Donald Trump. He thinks that presidents should be able to abuse their power without being removed from office. Is this the type of person you want sitting in the Oval Office? Someone who doesn't think that abuse of power is an impeachable offense? Then vote for so-and-so. Blah, blah, blah. Or however it might go. But I'm sure... If I, if I don't see an ad by the Democratic nominee playing that clip over and over and over again, uh, I, I won't have high I won't have any faith at all in the in that candidate or their campaign. Anyway, but there's more stuff that has been said by Alan Dershowitz, which leads me to 
This week's hypocrite of the week is Alan Dershowitz, who during the Bill Clinton impeachment trial said that no crimes had to be committed in order to remove a president from office, but now says the exact opposite during the Donald Trump impeachment process. You don't even want to hear what he said during the Richard Nixon impeachment inquiry. See who next week's hypocrite of the week will be. Tune into Liberal Day and Radio Talk from the Left That's Right, Wednesdays at 8 p.m. Central on Blog Talk Radio. Yeah, I mean, completely hypocritical. And I must add that, I'll give myself a pat on the back here. I did that in one take. There was no editing, no nothing. I was just, boom, make it a little louder, done. I was very impressed with myself. And again, if you want to see more clips like that and be able to have me be able to produce higher quality clips, much higher quality than my commercial for my mini cats. Oh, some people like it. I've showed it to some people. My wife laughed. Uh, Percy Nimbus Yosh from the Percy podcast. He 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 got he got a kick out of it too. But uh, anyway, so now to the serious topic of discussion at hand, which is rape culture. Yes means yes. False accusation derailment. What do I mean by false accusation derailment? A lot of times, if you have if you if you haven't debated rape and rape culture on the internet. If you thought the internet was a hive of scum and villainy now, without having done that, oh boy, wait till you get that. So a Twitter friend of mine, somebody who I follow, um, if I'm correct, I also know this person in real life, um, I believe it's not her personal picture that she uses on her Twitter account. Uh, but anyway, if it's not, then, you know very similar name to somebody that I know in, in real life who was also very progressive and who I would expect to post such things as well. Uh, I was talking about, you know, men and, and rape culture and, and, and women who get rape. The tweet that he wound up responding to um, uh, said, if you're, what if you gave believing us a try? If privileges of misogyny aren't real, then believing us will change nothing about your life. If it turns out you're wrong, we will stop contributing to the misogynistic gaslighting and have evolved as human. Win-win. What do you say? And so somebody else chimes in, and he gave a lot of other responses, um, but also said misogyny. Uh, let's see, blah, 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 blah. Women don't exercise agency or take personal accountability for regretted sex. And that's when I jumped into the conversation. And I said, hash, or quote, regretted sex, end quote. What do you label as regretted sex? Sounds a lot like rape apology to me. I hold people responsible for the actions that they consent to. A lot of what some people call regretted sex is an attempt to justify violating somebody who is too drunk to consent. Now, let's. Let's talk about this for a little bit uh, before I get into more of that conversation that I had because I had to take a bunch of screenshots because this person ultimately wound up blocking me because they couldn't handle it. And of course, um, to quote uh, my friend Don Nimbus Yosh, the host of the Most of the Person podcast, when they block you, you win. So I won, but that's not necessarily important because in reality, I never expected get through to this particular individual. <clears throat> this particular individual I knew was not going to be gotten to because this, this particular individual is so ingrained in 
tearing women down, because that's what the men's rights activism movement is. It's about tearing women down. It's not about lifting men up. It's not about fighting for men's rights. One of the other things that men's rights activists fight for is they want fairness and equality in child support cases. And, and, and they claim that feminism harms men in child support cases, and that couldn't be further from the truth. Feminists get their way. You would eliminate the patriarchy. Patriarchy supports the antiquated idea that a woman's job is to stay home and raise the kid and that a men's, man's job is to go out and work and support the family, support the kids. So if you eliminate that antiquated concept and, and accept that both parents can and should be able to work to support the children uh, and you eliminate the patriarchy, then guess what? You eliminate the concept that it's a woman's job to raise the kid. You change, in fact, that it's both or all parents' job to raise the kid. And as such, you end up with a fairer child court system. So when feminism gets their way, they get their way. But no, instead of wanting to accept that and understand where these ideas come from that cause child custody courts to default to the women a lot of the time as being the people who should be the custodial parents, you instead wind up having these men burning themselves on court steps because they're angry over having to pay for child support. There's a whole other discussion about abortion where this comes in too, where men will start making the argument that women shouldn't be able to abort because it's a life and it's not the other, blah, blah, blah. But at the end of the day, these men only want to get around to the whole. They make the whole argument just to get around to the point of, well, then I shouldn't have to pay child support if the woman can abort, because if she can choose to not be a parent, I should also be able to choose to not be a parent as well. Of course, biology has something different to say about that, because biology dictates when a person who provides the sperm can stop their decision on when they're going to become a parent, and when a person who carries the pregnancy can end that pregnancy. Simple as that. They don't want to talk about that either. But this is not a show about pro-choice, pro-life, and abortion. This is a show about rape culture, yes means yes, enthusiastic consent, and false accusation derailment. And so when they they say they start talking about regretted sex because that is their – that's their – the way they get into the argument of rape, because they want to say that not all rape is rape. They want to be able to say, that, well, what about the women who claim to regret it afterwards? Because they're looking at it from the wrong direction. They're saying, oh, well, if something happens and then a woman claims to have regretted it the next day, it must mean that she's making it up. And, and they like to use he and she, even though men can be raped. And children can be raped. Non-binary folks can be raped. You know, a lot of different people can be violated sexually and can be made to feel as if they have to do things that they otherwise wouldn't have wanted to do. A lot of that comes with pressure. And, and this individual wanted to talk about the Aziz Ansari case uh, because when she messaged I'm sorry the day after, she basically said, look, I didn't feel comfortable. You made me feel uncomfortable. And and sorry, uh, himself did not believe that he had done anything wrong. 
But if you were to believe the the description of what happened, which I see no reason why not to, um, there hasn't been anything contradictory that's come out. Um, and we should be believing women who come forward because, again, most people don't lie about their rapes. Most people don't come forward about their rapes, let alone why w- women are treated so poorly when they come forward with a rape accusation. Um, why, why would somebody come forward with a lie the vast majority of the time? doesn't make any sense. There are reasons, too. And there are, we have seen reasons why some do, but most don't. <clears throat> and there's no real evidence to show otherwise. And until there's evidence presented to show otherwise, I will choose to believe that false accusations of one crime are not gonna are gonna happen at a similar rate as false accusations of any other crime. No more. But they want to make it seem like it's an epidemic. False accusations are epidemic. They're coming after you, men. All these nasty women coming after you. So, <clears throat> so, and and it goes from you know regretted sex to then what what is consent? How do you determine consent? The one question this person never answered, and and I don't necessarily like this analogy, this use, but. Because I don't like comparing people to corporations because corporations are not people. Business activities are not people. But consider itself for a second. Somebody is, you and somebody are drinking. You're at a bar. You're discussing a potential business deal. How in would you have to be in order to say, you know what, maybe this person's too drunk, or maybe I'm too drunk, to be able to consent to sign this contract. Again, people are not contracts, but the idea of consent is what's applicable here. How many drinks in would a court say, you know, I don't think that person was in their right of mind. I don't think that person was able to consent to the terms of his contract and fully understand what was going on with this business deal. Therefore, no, there was no meeting of, meeting of the minds. The contract is null and void. How many drinks does that take? Would that take for you? How many drinks would it take for you to say, you know what? Let's wait for tomorrow. Let's wait for tomorrow. Let's wait a couple of hours for us to both get sober before we put ink to this paper. Well, why would you behave any differently when it came to somebody's body autonomy? Why would you behave differently when it came to understanding whether or not somebody else is in a position where they can consent to sex or not, or any sexual activity to begin with? I had a situation in in college where... Uh, hand grenade. I don't drink hand grenades anymore because the owner of the bar that, well, the, the, one of the owners of the bar is now dead, but the other owner of the bar is still a terrible racist. And I don't want to support that company. 
but the drinks that they serve are very, very strong. Very, very strong. One, probably enough to get you drunk. Not just buzzed, but drunk. I had six. A woman that I was interested in also had six. I was not as big as I am now, but I was still bigger than her. Now, after four, she was finished. She finished her fourth more before I did, and I'm like, do you have a hollow leg or something? And then I brought out two yardstick cups of these things, which were about two more. She didn't finish hers. I finished mine. We get in the cab, get back to her dorm. I made sure that she went off with her friends. Now, did I believe at the time that prior to this, that there was an interest between me and her? I was interested. I was 100% certain that she was interested. What I was not 100% certain of was, was she interested that night? And I had six of these drinks. So I made sure that she got back to her room, and then I went back to mine. And I saw her a couple weeks later. What do you remember about Mardi Gras? It was Mardi Gras day. Oh, I, I remember drinking the fourth hand grenade. She was so drunk she blacked out. Clearly not in a position to consent to any sexual activity. And again, I was six of these drinks in. And if I could tell in six six drinks in that this person was not in a position to consent, I was not in a position to consent either. I mean, I know that sober I would have wanted to have fun as well. But, again, if we're both being mature adults, she also probably should have had the responsibility to understand that because being drunk doesn't prohibit you from committing crimes. If you get in a car drunk, you're driving drunk. If you commit murder drunk, you're committed murder. If you shoplift drunk, you are still shoplifting. Being drunk doesn't prevent you from being charged with or convicted of a crime. And I come to find out weeks later that that same night where I explained to her the rest of what happened that night and she was shocked about the yard glass, about everything else, but we were sober. And you know what? It happened. I was right. She was interested. I was interested too. But we did it sober. I have a friend of mine. I've actually heard the story twice. I heard the story once from my friend and once from the person that my friend was with who didn't know that my other friend had told me this story and was telling me as if I just heard it for the first time. And it was a conversation about consent. And it was a conversation about their first time together and they were sitting at the home. They were drinking and eating a meal, having a glass of wine, just one glass of wine. Both felt a little tipsy from the one glass of wine. Both decided to wait until they got sober and then proceeded on with the festivities of the evening. Because consent is important. Because it is, it is more important, I said to this individual who blocked me on on Twitter. The interesting thing is I have about five different Twitter accounts, so I don't need my personal Twitter account to uh, to be able to see what he wrote to me. Still, I can go to my other one and see what he wrote. <clears throat> but it is more important 
for you to obtain consent than it is for you to, as they say, get your dick wet. So, and these people don't understand it at all. They don't understand that how how they, they want to make excuses for consent. They want to make excuses for why it should be okay for this hookup culture to take place, or that they should they ask questions. Well, how are you really supposed to? Are you supposed to, you know, just get out of the moment and make them sign a document? What about a, a wife on her wedding night? If she's nervous, does that mean that she that, that having sex with her is raped? And this is things that he said. What about all these whatabouts? And I tried to explain to him enthusiastic consent, which of course drove him into another tizzy, but we're going to get into that after this next commercial break. Um, so let's go ahead and, and take that now. Again, my phone number is 914-803-4131. That's 914-803-4131. This is Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. Are you planning a trip to Disney soon? Do you want help avoiding spending mistakes and making the most of your vacation? Then check out BudgetEars.com, a new site devoted to helping you get the most mouse for your money. What kinds of tickets should you get? Is the dining plan a good deal for you? Should you stay on grounds or not? Should you buy park hoppers? Many other sites are filled with information about what other people like to do. But BudgetEars is geared to help you make the best decision for you. So check out BudgetEars.com or go to YouTube.com slash BudgetEars and help make your trip the best it can be. BudgetEars.com is not a travel agency and it is not affiliated with the Disney Corporation or any of its holdings. In a world gone mad, one progressive will do a bad movie trailer guy impression to get you to listen to his show. There's only one thing that I like better than the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. All right, Bill, that's enough of that. On the Liberal Dan Radio minicast, you will hear an honest discussion of the day's issues with some personal bits in between. You might even hear what the other side has to say, sometimes even in their own voices. So become one of the Liberal Dan family, because family means no one gets left behind or forgotten. To hear those bad impressions and more, tune into the Liberal Dan Radio minicast. Talk from the left, that's right. And I think to myself, what a wonderful show, mmm, yeah. Are you someone who is looking to get into the ride-sharing business, be it for a side hustle or a full-time gig? Are you currently a ride-share driver wondering how to increase your earnings? Are you simply a new rider looking for first-time rider credits? Head on over to RideshareDan.com for those first-time rider credits, sign-up bonuses for new drivers, and my tips and tricks to help you make more money in the gig economy. Greetings. This is Nimbus Josh, host of the Percy Podcast. 
What is the Percy Podcast? <laughs> well, it's pretty much the smoothest talking host you'll ever hear in your life talking about all kinds of things, political things, nerdy things, fun things, not so fun things. Go ahead, give a listen, and follow at the Percy Podcast for more updates and information. Why not sit back and take a listen to one of the best podcasts you'll ever hear and no one else will. <laughs> Catch you on the tune. Liberal Dan Radio, Talk from the Left, that's right. This is your host, Dan Zimmerman, coming at you from New Orleans, Louisiana. To join the conversation, it's 914-803-4131. That is 914-803-4131. You can join us in the chat of Liberal Dan Radio, at the Liberal Dan page on blogtalkradio.com. You can also go to liberaldan.com after the show and make comments on the show thread, or go to facebook.com slash liberaldan or at liberaldanradio on Twitter. So, Back to enthusiastic consent. This, this guy basically was saying, and this is the very beginning of the conversation. I haven't even gotten into the meat of the conversation yet. That you know, no means no is the legal standard here in the good old USA. And I'm like, well, is it really? I mean, Brock Turner got away with a slap on the wrist, but he was still convicted. She never told him no. No means no is an outdated standard, but it because it requires the victim to say that they don't want something to happen. Whereas the onus on obtaining consent should be on the all parties seeking it. So if you are seeking consent from somebody for a sexual act, you should absolutely be required to obtain a yes. And not just a yes, but a, a yes that the person was able to give because they consented to yes. You know, a drunk yes is not a yes. Toxicated yes is not a yes. Uh, <clears throat> underage yes is not a yes. And a yes under duress is not a yes. And the, the person really had this problem understanding. You don't have to be enthusiastic about the sex that you're about to have in order to be considered to have consented. I'm sure there are plenty of people out there who say, oh, you know what? I really just was happy. I was happy to do it, but I really wasn't that into it. I just wanted to get it over with. Just, you know, wham, bam, thank you, Dan, or whatever it was. Um, And it is what it is. So you don't have to necessarily be enthusiastic about the sex that you're having in order for you to have considered to have been consented have it been consented to but if you're someone, this is what I had a hard time explaining to this guy, if you are somebody who is so paranoid about how horrible and awful these lying women are because you know they all lie there's such an epidemic of lying about rape supposedly according to them that and in reality and all they do when they bring up this, the issues of, of false accusations is just derail real conversation. They don't bring up their own conversations. And I'll get to that in a little bit. But just, they, they just want to make it easier 
for men to rape because they want to put it into people's eyes, into the eyes of society, that women lie. Now, and here's the other thing. I said before that men's rights advocates would, should have natural allies in feminism. Because when somebody really does lie about it in the rare instances that it does happen, especially when it gets huge public discussions going on about it, Duke, the Duke case, the Hofstra case, those are two cases where the boy, one of, the, one of those men in the Duke lacrosse case, I'm not saying they're good guys, but you don't have to be a, a stellar, upstanding, fine individual to, to, to want to avoid a, a rape charge that you, that, you didn't want, that you didn't deserve to get. I mean, they had video of him at the ATM when the supposed event was happening. So clearly it was a false accusation against him. Also, the Hofstra case, it came out that this person went and had herself a little fun with a group of four guys, and it was consented to. It was absolutely consented to. But her boyfriend found out that she was missing and was wondering what she was doing, and instead of just being honest with the boyfriend saying, you know what, I cheated on you, she instead made this claim that they brought her back to this room, and they all took turns. However, he had camera on him, and so one of them did and was able to prove that they were innocent, that she was a willing participant in all the things that happened. So she wasn't charged. She should have been charged. But all, the, these, all this does is put it into the mind that women lie, and it makes it harder for women to come forward and say I was raped because you've now had another person make this story with the story that made big news nationwide that, Oh, here's another liar. Here's another liar. Here's another liar. So the rape culture grows. And if you don't believe in the idea of a rape culture, just think about it this way. What do you do when you have strep throat? swab your throat. I think you might have strep throat. They swab your throat. And what do they put it in? A culture. And if you have strep, it thrives in that culture. If you don't have strep, it doesn't thrive in that culture. So some, a culture is something that causes a bad thing to thrive, or a thing to thrive. A pop culture is not necessarily a bad thing, but pop culture is where popular things thrive. Rape culture is where rape thrives. You enable rape to happen by listening to a false accusation and then saying that all women must do this because one woman's doing it. Or maybe this woman is doing it because this other woman is doing it. And I'll get to that in a second, too, because there's, there's sort of, again, most of the time I've spent so far the show talking about false accusations has been in talking about why they're not a big deal, why they're not, I mean, they're a big deal when they happen to an individual, but they're not an epidemic like men's rights advocates try and claim that they are. And there's a reason for that. There's, not, there's a reason why I haven't, why I've only spent a very few minutes talking about why, you know, that they're bad. And I spend more time talking about consent, about rape culture, about yes means yes, about enthusiastic consent. 
Again, this person didn't understand enthusiastic consent and what I meant by it or what I meant, that I wasn't meaning to say that enthusiastic consent should be the legal standard. I'm saying that if you are somebody who is paranoid about the idea that you might one day have some woman come forward and say after the sex that it was not consented to, well, that's not going to happen if, or most likely is not going to happen, if you obtain enthusiastic consent. If you know that the person who's consenting to, the, to, to whatever you feel, if you know, you know that person's sober, you know that person is of age, and you know that person is really wanting it to happen. And if you can say without a shadow that this person really wants this to happen, this individual kept on bringing up Aziz and sorry in that case. And if you read her description of the case, you know, her, by her words, that the things she was doing were, was, were, were hesitated to. That she was not an enthusiastic participant in the activities that, take place, that took place that night. <clears throat> so if you want to avoid, you know, make sure that the person you're with is comfortable. Make sure that the person you're with does not feel pressured to do anything that you don't want them to do. Make sure that they're very happy about it. Because if you're, if you're not sure, like the way that Aziz Ansari described what happened is not, yeah, she was all into it. It was, I didn't recognize that she was uncomfortable. Not, I, rec- I recognize that she was, I, I believe that she was comfortable and happy doing all these things. Now, maybe I missed one of his statements and maybe he did say that. I don't know. The, from what I gathered, from what I read about this, and look, if, if, if I have it wrong, I'll be the first to let me know. I'll be the first one to correct myself on the next show. I'll spend more time correcting it than I did talking about it. But if, if, if generally speaking, if, if, if coming out of coming out of a, a sexual encounter with somebody, you aren't saying to yourself, "Yeah, she was really into it the whole time," and I, I really think that she was enjoying herself. And I really, every time that we move things forward, she, I knew that she really wanted that thing to happen. And if instead you're like, your, your, your recollection is, "Yeah, she really didn't. She didn't resist." What a low bar that is. I mean, people wonder why, why, why people say that men are disgusting. Because you come out of a sexual, that you know, having sex with somebody, or you think it was consented to, and, and your standard is she didn't resist. Your standard is she didn't say no. Your standard is, you know, well, why, why didn't she stop me if she didn't want to have it? If that's your standard for your sexual activities, you're trash. You're garbage. You need to do better. Your standard for sex and, you're, and obtaining consent should be, yeah, I, I was. She wanted me to do. She wanted to do these things with me, and she was enthusiastic about it. She was very happy about all of the things that we were doing together. If that's what you're coming out of a sexual experience, then you probably are doing consent right. If you are setting the standard as well, she didn't say no. 
if that's your standard, I, I really hate to to go over your sexual history with you because it, it may very well be possible, especially if you're trying to make excuses. Like, oh, well, well, she went down on me, so therefore it was consent. Well, no. If you – so there are people who go down on people begrudgingly simply because they don't feel like, you know, they can say no safely. If you have a position of power over somebody, if you're a more powerful person than the individual you're with, it's possible that if you're not making extra care to make sure that this person is comfortable and that this person is is, is wanting to do everything that happens, then you're, you're being very problematic. And this person, this idiot who blocked me, if you're too afraid to say no, even though you were not being threatened, then don't go out on dates. Yes means yes means you have to ask consent for every change in position. That is not true. You don't have, I mean, you can get consent beforehand for everything, first of all. Um, But yeah, if you're going to, we got into a nice, discussion there about what happens if you want I've been married with my wife for 13 years and I don't have her sign a form every time I want to do something different no but you know what if I'm with my wife and I want to try something new I'm not going to spring it on her I mean like oh well you're my wife for for, for 12 years he was married 14 you're my wife for 12 years so therefore I should just be able to do whatever I want no it's stupid that's ripey I love my wife I love my wife 12 years ago. I love my wife even love my wife even more than that. And at no time did I attempt to try anything new with her before approaching the subject with her, approaching it first. Be like, you know what? I really would like to try this. Okay, let's try this. Or, you know what? I'm really not interested in this. Okay, well, then we won't do it. <clears throat> Trying some, springing something new in the heat of the moment? I mean... Yeah, you should ask. And if the person is any just anything other than like, yeah, let's try that. Or said the person like, meh. well, that wasn't a no, but it was a meh, so don't do it. It's very simple. The person didn't want to understand that a person under duress is not consenting if they perform an act. Oh, wait, wait, wait here. You think you and your social justice warrior buddies have the right to redefine consent rules to make rapists out of everyone. No. Again, this is what these men's rights activists try to do. They're not about lifting men up and fighting for actual men's rights. They're about tearing women down and making sure that men can get away with doing whatever they want to do because they fear that they're losing power that they used to have. The power that they used to have was the ability to do whatever they wanted to be damned with the consequences. They would think, oh, it's, it's perfectly okay. Like when, when, one problem I have with some feminists when they're discussing rape is that they'll say, oh, all men know that they're raping when they're raping. You know what? I don't believe that. I don't believe that all men believe when they're raping that they are raping. doesn't make their rape any less rape. But 
There are men who are raised, who believe, who are in college, who think it's perfectly okay to get somebody shit-ass drunk and then bring them home and have sex with them. And as long as they don't say no, then that's no problem to them. And they think that they're fine. They think that they're right. They think that those actions are legal and, and, and justified. They have no problem. They're, they're, um, obviously, there are other people who do know that applying people full of alcohol is rape. And they would do it anyway because they don't have morals or ethics or whatever. And the, I would say the people who don't bother to understand what consent means also are lacking in morals and ethics. But I, I'm not going to go out there and say that all of these men who do that are thinking to themselves, yes, this is rape. I don't care. They're thinking to themselves, I don't believe this is rape. I'm going to do it because I've been told that this isn't rape, but it is. So I tell this person, and this is the case of the show, about four minutes left of the show, about three minutes left of the show now, maybe two. And this is, I'm going to bring up my short story, the short, short, short version of my story. What happened to me was this, day one, boy meets girl. This is in high school, day boy, girl, do things. Day two, girl leaves. Day two, girl comes back, asks to be alone with boy. Day three, girl claims boy sexually assaulted her. Now, this is what happened in my case. She went to the police. The police listened to her and took her story. It seemed like they believed her. So they called my parents and they said, look, they called my mom and they were like, look, you so and so. Well, somebody is claiming that your son committed this crime. And my mom was somebody who always taught me about consent. I mean, she taught me no means no, but she always taught me about consent, the importance of consent and everything like that. And the, the, the nightmare that was this story lasted till Wednesday. They called on a Sunday. It lasted till Wednesday. On Wednesday, they called and said that no charges would be filed. No charges would be pressed. They listened to her. They believed her up until the point in the police report where she said she went back. I sexually assaulted this person on day one. Why are you going to leave and come back on day two and then ask to be alone with me? That's where the story fell apart. But again, the police did the right thing by listening first, investigating, and then there was a huge asshole in her story. Now, it turns out that somebody that went to the same high school with her said that there were girls who would do this. But again, it's rare that this happens. Most rape accusations are legitimate and should be believed. And the, after, once I was relieved about what happened to me, and once I was able to get over that, and, and tr- actually, in reality, I'm not over it. I'm really not. The first thing that I thought, though, once I came down from the euphoria of, of, of not having to face this terrible charge, was I remember exactly where I was when this happened. 
I was in my dining room walking towards my bedroom down the hallway. There was a there's a there's a big old maybe like cabinet, like a vertical cabinet to my left wall. The the window to the kitchen was right to my right. And I was heading down a hallway, beige carpet, white walls, typical apartment, kind of to my seven o'clock. There was the dining room table. And I was, and I stopped. And I realized, I said to myself, you know, what this person did to me was terrible. But I'm going to have to make it a point from this point out of my life. I'm going to have to make it a point that whenever I hear anybody else talk about what happens to them, the crimes that happen to them, I'm going to have to not make them punished for what somebody else did to me, for what this woman did to me. I'm going to have to say, you know what? Those women are not this woman. Those women are not this woman. Those women did not do anything wrong to me and should not be made to suffer, and I should listen to them and trust them before and then not let what happened to me. And look, when Duke happened, when Hofstrick happened, I had nightmares. It came, all came rushing back to me. There were things that happened that, that are completely unrelated. I would be obsessed with going to this one forum for the longest time. And I would have to defend myself against the trolls in this forum. And they would say the most ridiculous, stupid things about me. And I would have to go back and defend myself. Why? I finally came to the realization that I had to. The reason I, was, I had to always defend myself against what other people said falsely about me was because I couldn't stand to have that being hanging out there because this person's false accusation had such a, a lifelong effect on me. It affects me to this day. <coughs> but why do I spend, uh, but I spend only a 60-minute show. Maybe I talk about 40, 40, 40 minutes or so on rape and rape culture. And yes means yes, and the importance of enthusiastic consent and the importance that you believe women who come forward and the importance that as men that you need to take the responsibility. As anybody, really, it's not even a men thing. Everybody, you go have sex with someone because the people that I just were describing with the, with the date and the dinner and the one glass of wine, they were both women. Respecting the consent of each other. Respecting the body autonomy of each other. And the reason I specifically spend a, such a short amount of time talking about my false accusation because I don't believe that the majority of the conversations that deal with rape should be dealing with the topics of false accusations. It derails them. You want to have conversations about false accusations? Fine. You want to, and, and the reason I included it in here, because I was having to deal with an idiot who was trying to bring up supposedly regretted sex, supposedly false accusations in while derailing rape conversations. But the vast majority of my conversation about rape culture, about rape in and of itself, about how to you know, get enthusiastic consent, takes up much more time than the amount of time that I spend talking about my false accusation because I don't want to give my false accusation undue weight. It's my personal story. I have to get over it. And I do wish that society perhaps would do things differently when it comes to those who do truly falsely accuse others of sexual assault and of rape. Because at the end of the day, those people are not only harmful to the victims, their victims, but they're also harmful to victims of rape 
when society becomes less likely to believe them because they didn't have as good of a mother as I had to raise me to understand that, to know in my gut and come to the unrealiz- my own realization that I should not allow what that person did to me to poison my thoughts on any other rape case that comes forward. I cannot allow that to happen. And I will not allow myself to spend an undue amount of time. Give give that rape accusation, the false rape accusation, an undue weight. Because rape, in and of itself, is a much larger epidemic, much larger problem, and is much more deserving of my time to combat rape culture, to teach people how about consent, to show people why yes means yes is the standard that we should be going for, to show people why achieving enthusiastic consent is the ideal that we should all be striving for. Those are the important issues that need to be taught. You do that, you, you take away the ability of almost anyone to claim there was a false accusation took place because you're going to have consent in all of these in all of these cases where people want to always oh, regret. No, you won't have questionable. If, if if you if you do it right and you make sure that you have consent and enthusiastic consent from all of your partners, you're not going to have any any doubt in your mind because everybody's going to be comfortable. Everyone's going to be happy with what's going on. Nobody's going to look back and say. I was really uncomfortable. I felt as if I had to do this or else something bad was going to happen. And that's your responsibility to make sure that your partner doesn't feel that way. It's your responsibility to make sure that your partner is comfortable. It's your responsibility to make sure that your, that your partner is happy with everything that's going on. It's your responsibility to make sure that consent is reached, that your, partner, that your uh, people that you're involved with are not intoxicated, with the exception of the Jimmy Buffett rule. Jimmy Buffett rule being, uh, there's a song by Jimmy Buffett, Why Don't We Get Drunk and Screw? Two consenting adults, before getting drunk, say, you know what? I want to have some drunken sex with you. And they do that. Guess what? That's, that's okay. I'm fine with that. I don't think that that's a violation of consent at all because you've agreed to it ahead of time. But always, always, always get consent. I always get, take the responsibility to get that. And then the moment you start trying to make excuses for why something wasn't rape based on, oh, well, she did this act. That doesn't, that, no, that doesn't mean that at all. It doesn't mean she was consented because rape people, people who are coerced, people who are felt pressured into doing certain acts, still do them. They just don't feel comfortable enough saying no because they feel like the result after the fact would be worse. So, but if you get, again, if you get enthusiastic consent, you make sure that the person that you're with, people that you're with, let's say you're into more than one, people that you're with are are happy and enthusiastic about what's going on and have no issues and you've made sure that everyone's comfortable, then you're going to have a much better sex life and you're going to be a much better person because you're taking into consideration what other people think about their bodies. You're respecting their body autonomy and 
you'll probably wind up being a much better lover to boot because once you start caring about the people that you're sleeping with and whether or not that they're consenting to what's going on, because you should, you might also start caring about whether or not they actually enjoy it too. Maybe that's an episode for, there is a, a sexologist that I did want to have come on the show. Um, and I hope to have her on at some point in the near future. Um, and maybe that'll be a topic for that show. Maybe I'll call the show sex with liberal Dan, who knows? But at this point, I'm going to tap out show end. Be that for this week. I will be on next Wednesday, 8 p.m. Central. Again, facebook.com slash liberaldan, liberaldan.com, and on Twitter, at liberaldanradio. Until next week, this is Dan Zimmerman with Liberal Dan Radio. Talk from the left. That's right. <laughs>